Coming up on Stu Does America, we look at how the media is lying about the coronavirus situation in Texas. And we try to set an all-time record for the highest number of graphs in an episode. <laughs> it's going to be fun. We'll talk to Carol Markowitz from the New York Post about whether Bill de Blasio is horrible in every single way or just in all ways that are perceptible to human beings. And what happened when a police officer showed up to enforce a government order to shut down a gym? You are going to love this one. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review if you're on iTunes. Five stars is the appropriate amount of stars. And then type in something. You know, it's great. Whatever. That should work just fine. And subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash stew. Make sure to use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. All right, everybody, let's do it. We can do this. Let's set a new graph record. I remember back when they offered me this show, they said, how are you gonna get people to watch? And I said, graphs, and they laughed. Stu does America. Texas is the latest media target for the irresponsible way we are opening up our economy and putting lives at risk. They tried this with Georgia uh, already when they opened up the you know, few hair salons at limited capacity, including quite possibly the greatest headline in media panic history, Georgia's experiment in human sacrifice. Gotta love the Atlantic for that one. Um, that one doesn't seem to be working out so well as a prediction per se. So the media has moved on to Texas and its Republican governor, Greg Abbott, most definitely not to Colorado and its Democratic governor, Jared Polis, who has had his stay at home, home order uh, expire four days before Texas and who's had four times the death rate as Texas. But Texas is the one with the problem. Their argument is that Texas opened up its economy a couple weeks ago and now they're hitting all time highs in new cases. Shows. It shows how horrible that idea was. All right, there's three points I'd like to make today. Number one, it's not really true. Texas isn't hitting all-time highs in the number of new cases. Number two, even if it was true, the much-talked-about opening of the economy had nothing to do with it. And number three, CNN is horrible. Let's start with point one. Is Texas actually seeing a lot of new cases since the economy has opened? Here's CNN to scare you about it. Texas is seeing its highest number of new coronavirus cases and its highest number of deaths just two weeks after it officially reopened. Look at the numbers here. According to the Texas Health and Human Services, the state added 1,448 new cases yesterday. That's the biggest daily increase on record. Mm. Texas also saw 58 deaths from coronavirus compared to just 25 the day before. The nation's third largest state is now a case study. Oh, 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 this whole segment is a case study in something. That's for sure. Sean Trendy at Real Clear Politics ran the numbers and at a quick glance, sure, the caseload is increasing. Um, but why are those numbers going up would be the question. Well, by all appearances, it is simply because they are testing a lot more people in Texas. Uh, if you look back about a month, the daily cases have increased by about 30 percent since then. Sure, that's true. But they're now testing three times the amount of people per day than they were a month ago. When you test 200 percent more people and you only get a 30 percent increase in positive tests, that's a good thing. If what I'm saying is true, of course, you could check my work. You would get a decrease 
in the percentage of people testing positive. And what do you know? We've got one. We're about a month or so ago, about 13% of tests were coming back positive. Now it's just 5%. This is good news. Now, I will put a slight asterisk next to the uh, part of uh, the story here where we're talking about good news based on this report from the Texas Observer. It claims that Texas is including antibody tests in their total test count. If true, Texas should stop doing that immediately and separate out the data. Including these tests could theoretically lower the positive test percentage, and it could increase the total amount of positives with cases that are already resolved. It doesn't make any sense. It would hurt our understanding of whether a breakout is actually happening. In other words, it totally screws up the data. So stop doing it uh, if it's happening. No one has really any idea if the inclusion is happening a lot or rarely or really at all. And that's the problem. And knowing more detail about data is always helpful. It's something CNN could benefit from. For example, let's look at Tarrant County. This is in Texas, just outside of Dallas. You can see a gigantic spike recently, and I will admit it looks really bad. Big, scary blue bar graphs rising like little skyscrapers kind of above the rest of the city. Uh, This county has had the third most cases in the entire state. It's a big factor in those total case count numbers going up. But the two spikes are explained right underneath the graph on the site that the government provides where the small print lives. Says, quote, 423 cases reported on May 10th and 153 reported on May 13th, 2020, are from a federal prison outbreak. Now, people in federal prison are still people and they should count toward the total. But I find it pretty difficult to believe that these federal inmates caught their COVID at the local salon or cafe. Is it possible somebody sneezed really hard out the window and it it carried all the way to the prison? I mean, I guess, but, you know, call me a skeptic on that one. Even if it were true, however, it still wouldn't show a recent increase in the cases. Why? Quote, Tarrant County's latest tally of COVID-19 cases includes 423 people who tested positive at the federal prison known with a really weird name as the Federal Medical Center Fort Worth. The cases have existed for some time, but were just officially factored in. So the cases were reported last week, but didn't occur last week. And even if they did, they happened in prison, not at a restaurant. But other than that, the media is doing a great, great job. Regardless, even if there was a big increase right now, it would not be because of the governor's order to open up the economy. The media has these ridiculous ideas about government power. And they're tiny little noggins. Everyone's going around like normal. And then the governor says, stay at home. And they all go stay at home. And then they stay at home and stay at home and stay at home. And then the governor one day says, go back to work. And everyone goes back to work. If you are afflicted by this same belief, go back and watch our show last week. It helpfully titled, Stu Does Elon Musk, which doesn't necessarily tell you that's what we were talking about. In fact, it sounds like a terrible film. You don't want to... You don't want to see that film if it comes out. Uh, It shows, though, I think this this episode shows definitively that this is not how the world works. You can find all the shows, by the way, going back on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search for Stu, and I'll be the first one there. Watch everything for free. But to show you what I'm talking about, this is a chart of Texas illustrating how people stopped going to work in the pandemic. In February and early March, everyone's kind of doing their normal thing. 
that everyone kind of stops going to work pretty quickly because of our good old buddy, Mr. COVID. Now, let me show you where the governor instituted his stay at home order. And if you've been following this show, you know right about where this marker is going to go. And remember that you watch this show. You know the answers before they pop up on the screen. And I love you for that. The governor's order happened after almost everyone had already stopped going to work. And then later on, the governor announced an opening after people had already started trickling back in. At the very bottom, there was a drop off of about 47% of workers stopping their commutes every day. During the lockdown, about 7% of those came back to work. But what the media wants you to believe is it's not that 7% that would cause a problem because you can't blame the Republican governor for those. He had a stay in at home order in place after all. Instead, you have to create panic and generate hate clicks against Greg Abbott by trying to convince people that it's the additional 3% of people that have left home since the order expired that are causing all the supposed mayhem. Sure, it's less than half the number of people who left during the lockdown, but this must prove that it was the evil Republican policy causing all this death and destruction, which we already showed you isn't really happening. But CNN is CNN. And they couldn't just leave it at misleading people. They can do much, much worse than that. Let's take a look at some of the metrics in Texas. First, from SafeGraph, just this graph of foot traffic. <gasps> this is when the oh governor announced he was going to ease. This is when the restrictions were eased in the state of Texas. And you see, April 22nd, you just see since then, foot traffic in Texas up 54%. Wow. People are getting out because they're allowed to. Mm, they're getting out because they're allowed to. Okay, well, let's look at the data, data for retail. That should give us a sense of what's happening. The graph here looks pretty similar to the drop in the commuting uh, to work that we looked at before. And as you see, once again, the order to stay at home happened almost after, uh, almost after everybody had already stayed home that was going to do it. And we started to go back out before the governor, uh, government order as well. Retail bottomed out right before... Uh, and right around the corner uh, of the time of the order, um, about 42 percent or so is when people uh, that was basically the bottom of the retail uh, slope there. Then people started shopping again and they started coming back during the lockdown. About 13 percent of that 42 came back out. But those people aren't the ones causing the problems. Oh, no, that wouldn't make sense. The governor had a stay at home order. It's got to be the next group that is less than half as small or half as large, I guess. Only 6% of the people that caused the problem. Remember the framing from John King here. His direct quote, people are getting out because they're allowed to. It's just not what happened. And this is shown in all of the mobility data from every single source. But CNN still wasn't done. Where are they going? 53% uh, jump in hobby and toy stores as people left their house. Family clothing stores saw a spike. Shoe stores, women's clothing stores. Bars, not so much, a little bit up and down. We're told hmm. that's mostly people getting ready to reopen those bars because most are not reopened yet. Uh -huh. Gift shops, a little bit of traffic too, but hobby stores and clothing seem to get the biggest increase here. I can't even take this. This is legitimately unbelievable. He says that hobby stores and clothing have the biggest increase while bars which, by the way, are all closed, have the same increase as women's clothing stores. Now, how could that have anything to do with a government order? It busts your whole narrative. And I have to ask the question here of your basic intelligence or at least general human curiosity here. You say that you were told 
that foot traffic to bars has increased by 16% because people are getting them ready. And that made sense to you? Today is more than a week after CNN's data stopped. And just today, we are hearing about a projected open date for bars in Texas. Why would they be getting them ready weeks before they even knew what the date was that they could open? It makes no sense. In addition, I have to show you how disingenuous CNN is absolutely being here. It's really incredible what they're trying to do. I've been showing you that there hasn't been a big increase in mobility. People haven't really ran out there as soon as the order came down. So how is CNN showing these skyrocketing charts then? Watch what they do. Their data comes from a firm called SafeGraph, which is monitoring all of this foot traffic. And this is entirely visual. I apologize to the podcast listeners, but I will tweet it out from Stu Does America so you can check it out. Here's CNN's version of the graph. You see the skyrocketing numbers, all these charts going basically straight up from the bottom left-hand corner of the screen to at least the mid-right and all the way up to the top. Got it? Everything is skyrocketing since this change by Texas. Now, here's the actual chart from SafeGraph itself. The only difference here is that instead of all of the different categories, it's summarized under general merchandise stores. But they don't show you the whole chart. You would actually get some perspective there. And perhaps you might think that this increase of, in mobility couldn't possibly be the cause of a big, scary increase in the number of cases. You might also notice that mobility had been increasing for weeks and weeks before the change in the rules. So they only show you a tiny part of the chart. The entire CNN graph is just what's highlighted in this little red box that you have on your screen. And once you zoom in on that little red chunk, well, then, yeah, and you can get a somewhat dramatic increase. But no, the cases are not exploding in Texas. And even if they were, there isn't enough time or movement to prove anything like the case they're trying to make. And then they're cherry picking data and zooming in on charts to make everything look more dramatic. Look, will cases show some increase as we return to normal life? It's very possible. It probably will happen in some areas, and we need to watch it closely. It's true. This is supposed to be something that us adults look at and try to balance in an informed and sober way. But that is not what CNN is trying to do here. And they're not alone. They just happen to be the most obvious run full speed into the wall version of it. And it's infuriating. But more importantly, ladies and gentlemen, that right there is how you set a new record for graphs in an episode. Unless you can find a graph that disproves it. You might not think that you're worth the best coffee beans from around the world delivered right to your door. But you know what? I do believe that. You know, you can cut corners with other stuff like kids, college funds. Eh, clear those things out. Get the best coffee. This is the time for it. Now is not the time to settle for some crappy grocery store brand. Conveniently, you're barely allowed to go out and enter a grocery store anyway, so you might as well get it delivered. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built for this time because they've been doing it, the business this way for a very long time. They're veteran-owned and operated premium small batch roast-to-order coffee company. They've done a great job throughout all this, helping their customers out, helping out charities, and, you know, look, all that can be true, but if you don't have the highest quality beans from around the world, you're still not getting the best coffee. They do have that. They have it. They always roast to order uh, all the coffee uh, that orders that come in because they want it to be as fresh as possible for you. They want you to really enjoy it. 
The best way to enjoy Black Rifle uh, is with Black Rifle Coffee Club because you choose the amount and the blends that you want and Black Rifle discounts the price. They ship it directly to your home or when you go back, if you're one of those people that's gone back to work, your office as well, and they'll do it completely free. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew is the place to go. When you go there, make sure to enter the discount code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll get 20% off your first order of any coffee product. It's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. We all know how awful New York's pompous governor, Andrew Cuomo, is in pretty much every way imaginable. At least that's my opinion. Uh, But we also can't forget about the uh, politically and prolifically incompetent mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, who you might remember as the only Democratic presidential candidate more boring than Michael Bloomberg. But don't take my word for it. Let's ask today's guest, Carol Markowitz, uh, columnist for The New York Post. She's been writing some great stuff during this apocalypse. Uh, Carol, I mean, am I right on this? Am am I taking it too far with my uh, distaste for the the New York duo? (laughs) No, we have a really good one-two punch in New York. Um, It's been a tough time to watch Governor Cuomo become a national celebrity for some reason. And it's been even tougher living under Mayor Bill de Blasio's rule. So... Yeah, interesting days, Stu. <laughs> You're in the middle of this. You're living in, in New York. We used to work there. I mean, it is a, it's a, it's a very unique place. Um, one of the things I've been struggling with here living in Texas a little bit and in, in, in watching this whole thing develop is there really is a disconnect, I think, in the way that Texas is operating right now and where seemingly all of the media is. You know, everyone's kind of like gathered in New York and L.A. and D.C. at some right. level. And, you know, there's this kind of debate that's been going on for a while about whether we should open things up or close things down. But a lot of the country is already seeing a little bit of the opening up. What's it like in New York now? It's really weird because obviously having all the media here, it's the giant story. Um, The fact that we have the most deaths definitely didn't help that. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's a strange time. I think that our governor and mayor hating each other has been an interesting dynamic during this whole whole exchange. Um, so like when the mayor said that the schools would be closed for the rest of the year and the governor jumped in and said, no, they're, I say when they, when they close, um, but then kept them closed for the rest of the year, which is the, the, the real fun, fun part about living here. Um, so, and, and things like the beaches are supposed to open this weekend, but the mayor had somehow not realized it's Memorial Day weekend and hadn't prepared lifeguards. So now the city beaches will be closed and it's a little known secret, but New York City actually has a lot of beaches miles and miles and miles of beaches and they're going to be closed this weekend but all the surrounding areas will have open beaches so new yorkers will just go there (laughs) and density apparently is not something that our mayor understands no he is very dense though i will i will uh, hand him that um there's an interesting uh dynamic i want to i want to kind of explore this a little bit Uh, my impression of why people thought cuomo was good at what he was doing was that if you put him side by side next to de Blasio, he looked good. But that was really the only comparison where he did. Am I, is that, do you think your impression? I think that's probably right. It's a very low bar. Um, (laughs) Cuomo has a way about him where he is fairly calm in his press conferences. And there was a moment where I thought, I also thought he was kind of doing a good job because there is a role for the comforting politician Mm -hmm. during a time of crisis. And in the beginning, he played that role quite well. But then when we needed to have action, he was 
incapable of doing anything and completely is unable to like really roll out um, proposals that make a lot of sense or to assist us in any way with New York City because again he has this clash with the mayor which has become the bigger problem. Uh, one of the uh, things he did wind up doing was this initiative where he was going to guarantee the import of COVID positive patients into nursing homes a decision that right. by all measures has been a complete disaster. He finally did yeah. reverse this thing. And now he's trying to tell us that his number one priority the entire time has been nursing homes. I, from an outsider perspective, right. all I can see is this is one of the biggest mistakes that we're going to see in this entire mm -hmm. pandemic. Is that how you read it on the ground there? Oh, absolutely. And today when he, during his press conference said uh, that, you know, since day one, they've been our greatest priority. It's like Twitter just exploded with scoffing and people <laughs> saying, really, that was your first priority. Then why did things go so badly? Um, yeah, it's I, another interesting point about his press conferences is um, he keeps saying that the virus came from Europe. And I don't know why he's not being called on that more often. I feel like if Trump went into every press conference at this point talking about how it came from China, it would be a wall to wall story. But Governor Cuomo in every press conference keeps saying, oh, this virus came from Europe. We didn't realize it was coming from Europe. It arrived on our shores from Europe. To me, that just means that the rest of the country is going to start calling it the New York virus because that's where they got it from. Right. And so, you know, we face this this issue where I don't think he realizes what he's doing with blaming Europe. And, you know, look, once, once it got to the point where it was spread all over Europe, it was going to get here mm -hmm. anyway. Uh, pointing right. that out is, is such a nonsensical argument, particularly from the point of where did Europe get it from? I mean, they got it from China. Right. So I don't understand right. why uh, that, that makes any sense. And of course, we were told over and over again that it was racist to notice that it initially came from China. Mm -hmm. Apparently not the case with well, Europe. So I, yeah. Right. So why, why notice anything right about where it's coming from? And yeah, I, I don't know why he's getting such a pass on that. Again, I think the New York media, the media being primarily based in New York there, he's their governor and he's a Democrat. So he obviously gets a pass. Mm. Um, and I, I just think they're, they're they're not calling him out on it at all. Um, let's go back to, to this sort of back and forth between de Blasio and, and Cuomo. I remember early on, uh, de Blasio saying we're going to have to basically go into a stay at home order situation, a shutdown. And Cuomo calling right. him out publicly, like angrily saying, like, that's not your job. It's my job. We're not. That's never going to happen here. What was it three days right. later? It did happen. I mean, I, I don't see how <laughs> right. people aren't noticing right. these things. Well, so what's what's really funny about that is, we, you know, we, we see again Cuomo being looking good in comparison to de Blasio. But in this case, it's actually Cuomo looking terrible in both of those cases. Mm. We knew schools were not going to reopen the rest of the year. So de Blasio was right. So when Cuomo smacked him down, it's like. He's right. He, you're going to end up bending to him exactly like he did with the stay at home order. Um, but these politicians, you know, the, the crazy thing is that they had no idea what was going on when a lot of us were already quite aware of what was going to be happening. Um, you know, Bill de Blasio well into March was saying, like, we shouldn't panic. We shouldn't let fear get the best of us. And at this point, I'm already stocked up with a month of food, you know, so we don't have to leave the house because I've been reading the news and I know what's coming. Um, but the mayor did not know. And the governor seemed really caught unawares as well. Mm. Um, I, uh, watching this all develop and come from, you know, largely New York and the, and the coverage of it has been really fascinating to watch. I think one of the more interesting things you mentioned earlier is, is the situation with the schools. And I think the whole country is facing this right now. I know my wife is with my kids. I, she does not want to homeschool ever again, even for a day. Uh, I've heard that many, right. many times. Um, it's very difficult, right? And it's, it's a change. You know, there's a certain person who is really good at that and it's a great way to go if yeah. that's what you choose. But 
you know, millions and millions of people who didn't choose it were forced to do it for a couple months. They're dying to get their kids uh, into some sort of anything. Um, And, you know, the country is looking at these, I think, death rates, especially among children and seeing they're incredibly low. It seems like a low risk proposition to open up schools again. Yet they're in New York still promising no real end to the time where they're going to be home full time. Is that right? Right. So a few things. For one thing, your wife uh, is probably hating it because it's not really homeschool. It's distance learning where we're planting our kids in front of these Zooms where they're supposed to be picking up education. And that's really not learning. I'm sure if your wife had to design a curriculum, she would do a different job with it. Um, But yeah, we don't really know what's going to happen. And in today's press conference, the mayor, Bill de Blasio, said, oh, it's May. Like, we don't know. We don't know what's happening in September yet. For God's sakes, it's May. Like, yeah, it's May. It's only three months away. So like, what are we doing? Um, And you know, every other country is starting with schools. I I don't get how that's not a priority for us. Governor Cuomo put schools in the same category as concerts and Broadway shows in phase four. How are the people in phases one, two, and three supposed to go to work if their kids aren't home from school and waiting until phase four? It's just, it's untenable. Yeah, it really doesn't make any sense. And that was one of the things very early on, even the scientists were somewhat split on in that, like, you know, you have healthcare workers who have kids, you need them at the hospitals. So what are you going to do with them? You got Absolutely. There has to be at least childcare or schools to go back to. Plus, just this, right. from the sanity perspective of my personal household, this must <laughs> happen, Carol. I can't, right. I cannot no, I have another couple months of this. I will just, I, I will lose it. And I think millions of Americans yes. will as well. Right. I mean, for all of our sanity, for the kids. And, you know, there's this new thing now um, with the Kawasaki uh, syndrome where they're thinking that that might be linked. But why is that not happening anywhere else? Like, I just I we have a really hard time believing the media and the media is being very hysterical. And I'd love to see some, you know, experts, which the media claim to love, but I don't see any commenting from experts beyond it may be connected. Well, if it may be connected, why isn't it happening anywhere else? Why did it take so long to happen here? All of that are are questions I would love to see the media asking, but they're not. Instead, you know, we're getting their Cuomo sexual, Cuomo marry me, you know, stories and it's enough already with that it hurts it hurts me physically to watch it but that's why we've stood here on this program um for making sure the one thing we want to accomplish is to make sure people understand that andrew cuomo sucks other than that really we don't do anything on the show it's pretty much our whole jobs at this point um i carol thank you so much and i do appreciate you've done great work through this and it's been really great to have somebody who's asking some questions here and uh it's been pretty rare so thank you so much for doing it if only we were getting answers thank you so much thank Thank you you for having me carol markowitz uh, she's columnist for the new york post you should definitely follow her and uh, check out all the work she's doing it's been really great throughout this entire thing back in a second I have your favorite clip of the day right here. Ready to go. I've had it the whole show. Just been waiting to just give it to you. I've been waiting to just unroll this thing at some point. The part of the show that I know you're going to enjoy. Unlike the rest of the show where I was blabbing about some graphs or whatever, this you're going to love. This is from New Jersey. Uh, I guess uh, a gym had been opened up against the ordinance that was supposed to uh, restrict the gyms from opening. And uh, uh, an officer came in to enforce it. Watch what happened. We are and were only here for everybody's safety today. We plan for the worst, hope for the best, and it seems like that's what we have out here today. Yeah. Formally, you are all in violation of the executive order. On that note, on that note, have a good day. Everybody be safe. <laughs> 
is something we need to remember. You don't have to have a negative uh, uh, relationship with the government or police or anybody. Like I look, they make good. They did. Some, they gave a good piece of advice there, right? Which is, let's be safe, everybody. Everybody's be smart. Let's do this thing in a cool way. We don't need to arrest you. We need to grab you, throw you off to prison. If you guys can be safe, be safe. You're adults. Handle your life. That's a great message, and you could see how it was was uh, was reacted to uh, by the people who were there. Uh, great moment, and you know, great job by the officer. I think uh, doing that uh, as well in uh, Camden, New Jersey. Um, one more quick thing. Uh, we talked about uh, the documentary series, uh, huge ratings for ESPN on Jordan versus LeBron. They did a poll. It wasn't Jordan versus LeBron. It was just the story of Jordan's team. But they did a poll, Jordan versus LeBron, in every single category. There's like 15 or 16 categories. Um, who uh, Jordan was favored by people from anywhere from 57% to 79% over LeBron, including things like a positive impact off the court, which is... <laughs> It was fantastic because Jordan, like famously, didn't even try to be involved in these social issues. He just tried to be a great player and be, you know, just do what he did. LeBron is like Mr. You know, I swear I'm helping everybody. And please listen to me about how how mean we're being to China because they're actually great people and a wonderful government. And we should stop criticizing them. That whole shtick apparently didn't play with people all that well. Back in a second. As you know, I'm not uh, too happy about the fact that there are no more sports. I think there's a cricket going on, maybe. But, I mean, that's basically kind of like marathon baseball without the bases and the peanuts and the America. So who cares about it? Eventually, people do start coming back to restaurants, I think. But how long until people want to gather in tiny quarters or for a sporting event? Uh, or dancing inches away from a very hairy and very sweaty person who's constantly bumping into you? You can't tell I'm a little bit coddled, and I like it. Joining me now is Blaze TV contributor Eric July. Uh, Eric, thanks for coming to the program, man. I appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting time. Um, let me start with this. It's an interesting time to be in Texas mm-hmm. because I see the tone of the coverage about what's going on right now around the country, at least in the national media, and it's getting harder and harder to relate to it because yeah. here we are in Texas and things are opening, and sure, there's restrictions. It's a little weird still. But I mean, I'm not I don't, I'm not changing my behavior all that much anymore where everybody in the media is in New York or L.A. and they can barely even go out of their house to walk. Their yeah, dog. I mean, it, it's hard to sort of even have those conversations with people that are in those different areas, definitely online to try to relate to their experience when you hear that we're reopening at least to some capacity, and then you hear that there are other states that are going the complete opposite direction and actually increasing their sort of restrictions and their lockdown. So it's it's making this conversation a lot more difficult to have. I'm glad it, it's sort of happening just so we can kind of obviously compare and contrast. Yeah. Uh, I know they have preached doom and gloom on us in Florida and Georgia. We quite haven't got that yet. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, if anything, just for the sake of those people that are living in those areas, they see that our experience is not resulting in everybody just, you know, dying from this. Um, and it incentivizes them to reopen themselves. Yeah, I mean, you know, doing it in a smart way uh, is, is, is showing, I think, so far uh, good results. But, I mean, it's a little too early to tell. We'll see. Yeah. And I think that's the smart thing to do is to look at this. I wonder, though, looking at trying to understand the country as a whole, if it's a really bad idea uh, to have almost our entire media in New York and Los Angeles and at some degree Washington, D.C. Like the, the, the picture that they're talking about, and I think that's even about the conservative media in many ways, so many of them are in these terrible areas where everything's being clamped down against 
they're not seeing like the they're not focusing on the positives of a place like Texas where, you know, look, there are good things going on. You know, Florida, there are good things going on. We are opening up. And we kind of have this, I think, we kind of constantly talk about this, like, uh, dystopian country where everybody's cracking down. And clearly that's happening in places like, you know, L.A. And we've seen some of that even in Kentucky and, and you know, Michigan. But there's a lot of the country right now that is opening up. And that debate is is somewhat meaningless to those people, I think. Yeah. And unfortunately, we definitely when we started this thing off, we sort of bit our policy, it seemed, around what was going on in areas like uh, New York City and, and so forth. And that is such a. And definitely New York City, right? It's such a unique place. It's yeah. arguably the most unique place in the country in terms of how they live. Like, there's really no other place like it in, in our country, how close quarters they are, the population density. It's a very unique place. And then we centered our, it seems at least, that we centered everything that we're doing to combat this virus around their experience, yeah. which we've gotten a completely, even though Texas is more populated uh, mm-hmm. than New York State, that is. Yep. We've gotten a completely different experience when it comes to this whole, you know, doom and gloom. So you you put it perfectly when you say that a lot of the media is out there. So that's all they see. So they think that that's representative of the entire country. And it's not. I swear that's why they like Cuomo, because there's no other excuse. He's obviously terrible, but he's there in front of them every day. So they like him. Um, You know, and what you said is is totally true about the uniqueness of New York City. We used to live in New York and work in, uh, in New York City, at least. And. Um, you know, I was but I was born in New York, but not in the city. And so, you know, I've spent a lot of time in up, upstate and in, in the suburbs of, of New York. And it's a totally different world. And, I, you know, if I'm living in Manhattan, like I didn't like going outside in Manhattan when I when everything was fine. So I understand why you might want uh, want to have real restrictions there. But if I'm in Los Angeles, where it's a huge city, but it has not had the sort of impact right. you've had, this has got to be incredibly frustrating it's like let us go and they're holding them off the beaches they won't let them walk their dogs i mean that that sort of thing has to be fought back against yeah and like i say it's a lot of those initial studies that we got were coming out of california when you look at like the uh la county Mm -hmm. uh as well as the santa clara county um that was a stanford university study where it was showing that hey guys this thing has probably gotten a lot further than what we anticipate but that's not a bad thing because it means that the infected fatality rate is very low so we i I would hope we would have looked at that and they would said okay we can at least make some adjustments in terms of our policy but then you hear that they're talking about kicking a can down the road for another three months yeah you know out there and it's like are you are you serious considering that they're considering their experience again it's been different from new york really the vast majority of the country if not everywhere else has gotten a different result there have been some harder hit hit spots but new york city has been the hardest hit and i actually combat this idea that they just couldn't handle it either i had a I was talking to a guest on a, on a completely unrelated show that's in the belly of the beast and Larry Sharp, um, who actually ran for governor yeah, like uh, uh, there. So he was like, yeah, man, it's not nearly as. It, it, yes, they may increase in capacity. But when you consider like that naval ship that was out there to sort of uh, alleviate some issues and have those hospital beds available, yeah. never got used. Yep. Never got used. Those ventilators that they supposedly needed. They didn't use the vast majority of them. So, yeah, they may have they got hit hard. We know that. I think everybody can accept that. But even them, they weren't never they were never to the point to where they, OK, if you got sick, you couldn't you didn't have access to the resources. They all had access to the resources. So, yeah. Were you surprised by how quickly because I understand it in a really hard area like New York and, you know, certainly New Jersey and Connecticut, that surrounding area was really bad. We had some bad Boston and New yep. Orleans and Detroit, like some yep. of the really hard hit areas. Yep. So I understand that. 
Um, but the areas where you're not near any of that stuff, were you surprised at how easily these new sort of restrictions that blatantly you know, violate our constitutional rights if we want to fight them. Mm-hmm. Um, were you surprised at how quickly people kind of were like, okay, yeah, we'll do that? Yeah, it was a bandwagon effect, which mm-hmm. was, again, bizarre, because I would think that you would analyze it and see that, okay, their experience is not going to be like our experience because we don't live like them. Yeah. So to have like these rural areas that have like one death in the county <laughs> uh, and they're like shutting everything down, it has to be very frustrating uh, as someone that's living there because not only is the experience going to be different from a just individual standpoint, but just how the culture, how you guys live, is completely different. So, it, But it was this bandwagon effect. And even with the reopening, it seemed like, Nobody wanted to be first. Nobody wanted yeah. to be the guy that just, okay, this is silly. Yeah. You know, it's like his bandwagon effect. And unfortunately, you, you know, 30 plus million people have been put out of work because of this. And people's livelihoods have been either put in to question or, or derailed because of a bandwagon effect. It didn't make sense. It never made sense. But it was just a, a bandwagon. Yeah, people will, will kind of jump down that road more quickly than I think I would have expected at least. Because yeah. I remember when it was happening in Italy. And I remember thinking, well, that's not going to happen. I mean, that could never happen here. Right. And then here we are. Look, you know, if, 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 if we can get through this six weeks and maybe the economy comes back and, you know, like if we may show that uh, that, you know, it wasn't as big a horror show as we're kind of expecting in our heads as far as the economy goes. But there's a long road on that route. I kind of want to go down that road a little bit with you because you're a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a lot people are going to go back to restaurants. Like, you know, it's going to happen. People are naturally going to flow back that way. You know, I think there's things like cruise ships. Uh, you know, so at some level, air, airplane travel, at some level, um, you know, big gatherings. You know, I keep thinking of like, you know, when I used to back in the day, you go to like a, a bar, there's a cover band playing, yeah, yeah, like yeah. everyone's packed in, having a great time. That world seems really hard to just rebound. I mean, when you think about large gatherings, you think about playing live music again. What do you see? Man, the, I mean, backwards, we were set to release our second album this year and we have absolutely no idea what we're going to do. And I'm I'm being dead (laughs) honest because generally what you want to do is you want to be on the road when that album, that that, during that album cycle. So a couple of months before, maybe a month after, obviously during, you want to be on the road uh, when that happens. And we just don't know how this is going to, how this is going to work. And the one thing, if there's any silver lining that I could point towards is that people within our industry, which we've I've questioned how some of these contracts have been laid out mm-hmm. for the longest. We were one of the bands that did not go the industry standard route. Right. And we were able to make a lot of money off of our, our record. And I'm seeing that there are musicians that are sort of like, all right, well, we're left we're left out here. We can't make because we can't go on the road. That's how generally they all make their money is touring. Yeah. And they can't go on the road. So people are starting to reanalyze like, OK, what's this economically a setup that we should have been a part of? So that's a silver lining. But yeah, to what capacity that's going to come come back? We have absolutely no idea. And that's what's scary for a lot of folks, because not everybody can be just a blaze contributor. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, that's what <laughs> they want to be. By yeah, the way. <laughs> exactly. But no, like people, people that, you know, some people like adjoining Twitch, they're trying to. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's it's a very difficult time. So I don't really know what capacity is going to come back to. I would be 100 percent willing to be that band. And I'm sure our other guys are like. We'll go on the road like we, yeah. it is, and if you want to vol- if you want to come, you can come. You're going to have a good time in the areas that will allow this to happen. But obviously the national tours, I, I think those are just you can't really do. Yeah, at least right now. Yeah. I, I, you know, look, it's, it's been one of those things where it's become more and more important in the music industry, obviously, as, as this has gone forward. 
and you know trying to find it was it's not an easy place to make money anyway right? yeah. it's already a really competitive yeah. industry uh, it does strike me though as as part of if you want to look at maybe a little silver lining to try to find one um, it's been interesting to see what artists have done over this period. Yeah. A lot of people doing online concerts, a lot of people doing more personalized things. I mean, you know, capitalism does usually find a way to solve these things or at least change them into something interesting. Do you think that's going to be no, something? No, I think that's the beautiful thing that I've seen out of it is that people have been trying to come up with these sorts of alternatives. And I think that's what I, I encourage them to do. Unfortunately, that does leave like some of the venues and stuff. They're left out. I know that even some of the ones out in this area, they're closing down for good. Like yeah. they're not they're done. Like there's no there's no all right. We're going to come back on the other side of this thing. Like The small business loans either weren't enough or they didn't get them. And it's like, well, what are we doing? We can't we can't remain open. But I do like that artists are starting to come up with these sorts of uh, th- these alternatives. That's the beauty of capitalism. The difficult thing is trying to point that out, that that's actually what they're doing, yeah. because a lot of them tend to be <laughs> socialists and they, they, they rent and rave in their music against capitalism. Um, so pointing that out, I've been trying to do that. Like this is a, But this is a good thing. You've seen people doing online concerts and just a multitude of different things to try to make some sort of ends meet. Uh, in this regards and make some money. And I think that's what it's all about. And to me, that's a beautiful thing that you're seeing these creative people do this. And I encourage them to keep keep doing that and not to stop, even if we somehow return to some sort of normalcy. I think that line of thinking is really going to help this industry and going to help a lot of artists make more money off of their own products. Mm. Yeah, I, I love that. Well, let me give you one more, because it's interesting, too, because the, the Rangers are doing, at the Globe Life Field, the old Rangers stadium, they're doing a drive-in concert yeah. where like people are bringing you know cars and trucks and you go listen to a live band i mean there are cool little solutions happening at least to bridge the gap hopefully however speaking of the rangers they've got a brand new stadium you're wearing the rangers gear brand new stadium this beautiful stadium down there waiting to be inhabited and they're just it's just sitting there empty how depressed are you <laughs> i know i, I mean I uh, that's sports is crazy oh, because you it. see you go without it for two months and i'm like man this is really sort of a staple of uh just who we are as individuals. And I've been an athlete my entire life, too. This is what it, what it's about for me. And to go without it sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, for lack of better terms, it just sucks. Uh, you know, like you said, with, yeah. with the Rangers situation, we have a brand-new stadium. I was excited for the season. Some of these signers look like we may have um, a, a starting five that's going to really, in terms of a rotation, pitching rotation, looks like it was going to be awesome. So I'm like, man, we may be cooking with grease this year. And to see, I don't know if it's going to come back and how it's going to come back. Are we going to be able to enjoy this lovely stadium that they just moved in? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I have no no idea, but it does suck for all sports because I'm, I'm I like pretty much everything. Yeah. Uh, from from and we're, we're watching like Korean baseball and oh, yeah. trying to get into it on ESPN because they're allowed to play out there yeah. and we're trying to get into it. It's like, man, it's just not the same. I know. I, I picked same. up the Hanwha Eagles, though, as my team ah, in Korea. So I don't know. how They were two and six last time I checked. It's there not going go. well so far. There you go. Uh, Eric July, uh, Blaze TV contributor and host of, of a podcast. Uh, what is it, what's it called? For Cannon's Sake. Cannon's Sake. you got to check that out for sure. Definitely subscribe to that. Uh, and also uh, make sure you subscribe to Blaze TV. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. You can use the promo code Stu because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus, I think they give you 10 bucks off. It's totally worth it. Back in a minute. I've been telling you about all the uh, merchandise we have. StuDoesMerch.com. StuDoesMerch.com. You can buy it all there. But uh, this is the first time I've actually seen these things. Here we go. Uh, you're going to need this going forward. This shirt. Sorry, can't make it. Self-quarantined. Uh, 
They're in now, and you should have it because if your state opens up, people will invite you to things. You need to find a way to avoid it. StuDoesMerch.com. Check it out there.